My name is Elle, and I'm a transgender woman talking about a book entitled This Is How It Always Is. But before that, I just want to say thanks for joining me on this program. I share weekly reflections uh, from my life as a trans person, and most of these have been about the experience of being trans in the world. Um, and uh, today's episode will be no exception. This is I think the third or the fourth time that I've done an episode built upon some element of pop culture uh, where I'm sharing my uh, reflections on um, a film or book, and this probably will not be the last. Uh, The book this week is entitled This Is How It Always Is. It was written by a woman named Lori Frankel, and I believe it was published maybe five or six years ago um, in the late 2017s. Uh, so maybe it was being written during the Obama administration, if you're an American, uh, and uh, then published during the Trump administration. Uh, so there you go for the timeline. Um, but uh, I wanted to share a little bit about this book because it is uh, a book written from the perspective of a cisgender heterosexual mother, um, and it's written about her Uh, trans child. And uh, what we learn in the postlog of the book was that the author uh, indeed has a trans child herself. And so this book is written from a personal perspective, Uh, but the book is not autobiographical and it's not about her child in particular. And in fact, I read, um, I believe, an interview with the author where she talked about how uh, you know, there would be, a, there would come a time at some point uh, in her child's life when her child would read the book, but that as of yet, the child has not, because as she says, it's a book for adults, not for children. And um, so uh, overall, I highly recommend the book. Um, I think it would be a really uh, strong choice um, to recommend to cisgender family and friends. Um, it's not perfect, as we'll get into, um, but I'm not sure if there really is, uh, you know, a perfect book out there. Um, it's definitely not a book of activism. It's much more a character study of uh, this family that is portrayed in the book, uh, including all the members of the family, not just uh, the mom or her husband or their trans child, but the siblings as well. Um, and uh, it's definitely not a, um, yeah, like I said, it's, not, it's, it's really not about activism. Uh, it's about how real people might navigate uh a, the reality of having a trans child in their family. Uh, and in particular, I think it's wrestling with uh, how a, a family acting in good faith and acting not out of religious ideology or political ideology might navigate a situation uh, like that. Um, and uh, I hate that I just used a word, uh, the word a situation because having um, a trans person in your life or in your family is not a situation. It's not a bad thing. It just is a fact. It's a reality. And I happen to think that it's a gift. Uh, you're welcome. Um, but 
uh, overall, uh, like I said, I highly recommend the book. Um, I ugly cried multiple times uh, as I was making my way through it. I would say more in the first half or two-thirds of the book than in the last third, uh, which seems to be the consensus online if you were to read uh, interviews um, or read reviews about the book. But I cried so many times, and not because it's a feel-good book, um, but uh, but because it's just, it's so... Um, I mean, and it is a feel-good book. Like, in the end, it's about... Um, like I said, about a family that handles this um, reality uh, relatively well. Um, but there are so many sad moments. And <clears throat> especially early on in the book, I could feel uh, the main character, um, Poppy, uh, her... And by the way, there's going to be a lot of spoilers here. So if you want to read it first and then come back, uh, feel free to do that. But... Um, I could feel her deep, deep longing and, and I could identify with it. You know, uh, I, I have felt many of the things that Poppy is described as feeling. And it was just, it was so beautiful that she felt safe enough in her home and in her own environment and in school to be able to express who she really was to the world, both verbally and physically with her, um, you know, physical outward presentation. It was just, it was so touching. And um, there was, um, there's a quote uh, early on where she gets made fun of, I think she gets made fun of at school or she gets called a name. And it's very early on. It's at the first school that she's at. And she comes home crying. And at this point, she was not known. She hadn't chose the name, I don't think, Poppy. Um, but she was still going by her birth name, Claude. But in any case, this is before she took the name Poppy. And so um, she's she comes home and reflecting about, you know, she's wearing dresses to school and whatever. And and you know, mom and dad are trying to like encourage her, hey, you can wear whatever you want. We're going to support you. We're on your side, blah, blah, blah. It's perfectly okay. And and Poppy is like, she's been harmed and she's been hurt by this experience. And so she says that they would make fun of me every day forever. Oh, and even just right now, I tear up at that thought they would make fun of me every day forever and it's like that thought uh held me back for so many years this belief that they would make fun of me forever every day forever and you know going through the realization and the discovery that yes they may make fun of me every day uh, forever, but I'm still going to live my life as me. Um, but at that point in her life, when she's six years old, it's really hard to be that courageous. And so she says, real, real clothes at home, school clothes at schools. Um, and then she says, we're the only ones, speaking of her family, we're the only ones, we're the only ones who love me, who, uh, who we're the only ones who love me as I am. Oh, 
is just brutal. We're the only ones. I can be my real self at home, but I'm going to put on the mask at school. And, you know, the, the, the loneliness of being trans, I think, is, is really captured here. And, um, and I think that, you know, part of why it feels so lonely is that it's so unusual. And, and, you know, from the perspective of a cisgender person, it's so weird and so strange that we would want what we want. And, um, and so here she is like in this isolated situation where she feels all alone and I'll just wear real clothes at home because nobody understands me. Um, there's this line in the book uh, where mom reflects on talking about how Poppy didn't understand why the whole world wouldn't want to be a girl. <laughs> it's like the most trans feminine thing ever. God, I I can't tell you how many times I have thought that thought, which is like admittedly strange to a lot of girls and women who live in a patriarchal world in a patriarchal society where uh, being a girl and being a woman is like decidedly uh, a difficult thing with many, many downsides. Um, and so, uh, you know, that, that those of us who are trans don't understand why everyone else wouldn't want to be a girl, uh, it makes it all the more astonishing, you know? I mean, I suppose you could be cynical and dismiss us and tell us that we're all the more crazy because of that. Um, but the reality is that that's, that's what it feels like to be trans. It's just like, well, of course, I want to be my real, full, true self. Of course, I would love to wake up as a cisgender girl. Of course. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't anyone? Um, and that's what it means to be trans. Um, you know, perhaps the biggest theme of the book was about uh, Poppy's parents' support of her from beginning to end. So the book kind of begins um, with the birth of Poppy's siblings and then the birth of Poppy. And it's funny, the mom uh, had the name Poppy picked out prior to her being born and then she came out as uh, a person that was identified as male and therefore assigned the gender of, me of boy. Um, and I think that she was like the fifth one, the fifth boy or the fourth. I know she had a whole bunch of boys, all boys. And um, so she had picked out this name, Poppy, but then, she, you know, Poppy came out with a penis. And so then they named Poppy Claude. And um, so it really spans from that point until Poppy starts going through puberty. And um, so the theme of the, this book is how the parents parent her and how they navigate this reality of having a trans child who comes out at a very early age. Poppy, you know, tells uh, her parents that when she grows up, she wants to be a girl um, when she's like five or six. And she says it, you know, like kids would say, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up. 
Um, it was just the obvious thing that, of course, you would want to be a girl when you grow up. Um, and um, and so I, I have a couple of quotes uh, that I'll read that I think, you know, capture some of this. One of them is was uh, said by mom, Rosie, and she says, for my child and for all our children, I want more options, more paths through the woods, wider ranges of normal and unconditional love, wider ranges of normal make the world a better place for everyone. A fucking men, right? Just beautiful. Like, God, um, you know, I didn't have the courage to come out to my mom when I was that age. And, and when I was that age, it was in the early 1980s. So uh, the world was definitely a different place back then. We were in the middle of the AIDS uh, epidemic and AIDS scare. And, um, you know, just the world was different. Um, and my mother has been amazing and wonderful to me uh, through my transition and has uh, done her own personal work and accepts me and my family and um, uh, and you know I don't know what she would have been like or what she would have done but I know that for many 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 of us especially those of us who transition in adulthood uh, we dream of having parents who believe things like this who believe that having options and having a wider range of normal, as it were, uh, is a good and beautiful and better uh, thing for everyone. Um, it's just magnificent. And, you know, even thinking about how trans people navigate the world today, like the idea that there is this resolute binary and you have to choose one, like we're starting to work our way through that where we can see that there is a difference between, you know, uh, gender identity or subconscious sex that happen that, that's this sort of sense of identity that's in your head. Uh, there's a difference between that and our physical bodies and what characteristics we have, many of which can be altered through um, medications and surgeries. And uh, there's a difference between those two things and how we present ourselves in the world, what we wear, how we wear our hair, how we talk, how we walk, how we relate, which all of which are different yet from who we want to have sex with and who we want to have romantic relationships with and who we want to be partnered with. And all of these things have been historically conflated with a binary gender system. And we're starting to realize that there are all these little independent sliders from one another um, and how there are many different paths to uh, living truthfully uh, and living happily in the world. Um, and I, one of the reasons I love this book is because of the way that the parents are really dedicated to this principle, right? Of having, there are many paths to normal. There are many paths through the woods. There are many ways that unconventional, unconvent or unconditional love looks and feels like. There's another quote in the book uh, that... Uh, is spoken by Penn, who is the dad, uh, and he's like a novelist or an author. He's like a story writer in the book. And one of the themes is he, he writes this ongoing fairy tale for the kids, and it's it's cute. I liked it. Um, but uh, he, uh, he responding to his wife who's saying, you know, I, I want to know 
I want to know what decision to make. I want to know what the right decision is. Um, why can't we just know what the right decision is? Why can't we just have, um, you know, clarity on, well, this is the right choice and this is the wrong choice. And, and so he says, not, not ever, not once. You never know. You only guess. And then the title of the book, this is how it always is. You have to make these decisions on behalf of their, your kids, these tiny humans whose fate and future is entirely in your hands, who trust you to know what's good and right, and then to be able to make that happen. You never have enough information. You don't get to see the future. And if you screw up if with your incomplete, contradictory information, you make the wrong call, well... Nothing less than your child's entire future and happiness is at stake. It's impossible. It's heartbreaking. It's maddening. But there's no alternative. And then they crack a joke. Well, maybe birth control is the alternative. And, you know, I am a parent of two small children myself, and I so much relate with this. You don't know. We're all making the best possible choices uh, that we can. And, you know, there's a part of me that that believes that that's true even about parents who are uh, not affirming or who don't let their kids transition. Um, I happen to believe that they are, you know, governed by irrational fears uh, or by religious ideology or prejudice. And... They're also trying to do the right thing, even as they make the choice that I think is absurd and ridiculous. Um, You know, I think most of us want what's best for our kids, and it's an agonizing struggle making these questions. You know, this is how it always is. You guess. You make the best possible choice for your kid. Um, and you know, uh, that kind of brings me to, to what is my biggest criticism of the book, uh, which is that it's written from the perspective of a cisgender heterosexual person. And I think that, uh, you know, if it's written from that perspective, it's gonna miss a lot. Um, you know, I, you know, I guess early on in the book that the parents try to categorize, um, Claude slash Poppy as one or the other are you know are you a boy or a girl and Claude you know quietly whispers I don't know right and it's like you know she mom makes the observation nobody knows how to treat this child and it's like maybe we shouldn't have this binary gender system that defines how we should treat a child in one way or another based on their gender right like maybe that's the problem Um, but also like, it's like, I I guess part of what I saw was that this pressure for Claude to tell everyone who she was, this pressure that Poppy felt to, you know, speak up and to tell us who you are, um, it like pressed her down into silence and quietness. You know, it it was so much pressure on her that all she could do under it was to whisper, I don't know, right? And we see this theme throughout the book, right? Um, And especially toward the end of the book, you know, by the end of the book, mom is reverting back to calling Poppy Claude, 
because Claude, you know, sort of, he has this, uh, well, Poppy has this really traumatic experience at school where she's outed against her will, and it becomes like this big crazy thing where her secret that she has a penis um, is known by everyone in school, and people are making jokes, and she refuses to go to school. And then under that duress, under that pressure, makes the decision, oh, well, I'm just going to be Claude. And then mom is like, well, I guess she's Claude. Whoa, what a relief. And it's like mom is like so eager to go back to calling him Claude. And it's all based on her fucking fear and projections and expectations. And it's like she's relieved that that Poppy has retreated uh, because of this trauma. And that part was so, I mean, I guess it was real. It was, you know, realistic. It was understandable, but it was so frustrating for me to see like mom be such an ally for him, but then to like back away so quickly and to retreat into that. And, you know, um, that I feel like it's, it's like, it's that outside pressure, uh, that's so, um, unnecessary and it's that outside pressure onto this child of you need to choose one you need to make your decision you need to decide who you are blah 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 um that leads it leads her to be confused and you know in the end we don't really get a resolution right it's all like the book sort of suggests well maybe claude is non-binary you know um Poppy has, the, and, I now, and now I'm using both words because by the end of the book, they're all using both names. And by the end of the book, Poppy has this conversation with her best friend who had quit talking to her because she found out that she had a penis and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and there's all this hurt because, you know, Claude didn't tell her and didn't trust her with the truth and all this stuff. And so the the friend asks um, Poppy, well, what are you then, right? Are you a boy or a girl? And she says, I, I don't know. Why does it, you know, why does it matter? And, and I think that that was intended by the author to be like, well, maybe this person is more non-binary and what a relief that would be. Cause then they wouldn't be a fucking freak trans person, right? At least that's some of what I read. And, and I guess that's my, you know, criticism of the book and maybe maybe this is me telling on myself honestly because like um I think that there are a lot of trans people out there who uh want validation (laughs) how's that for how's that for a line of truth it's like saying well there's a lot of humans who exist on the earth who want to feel valid (laughs) Yeah, tell us more, Elle. Tell us more facts that you've learned. Um, but, but you know, like, it's normal. We want to feel valid. We want to feel validated. And uh, that's true for trans people. And I think that to a degree, when we as trans people see other trans people and know other trans people who make the choice to be their true selves and to transition in the world, it feels validating to us. 
we feel less alone. You know, we live in a world and in a culture that that systematically gaslights us and tells us that we're crazy or that we're sick or that we don't know what we're talking about and questions us about stuff and treats us shitty to the point that all we can do is whisper out, I don't know, like Poppy. And so it feels validated when other people make that choice as well. It feels like, okay, I'm not the only one. And so, you know, maybe... Maybe this part of the book is frustrating for me because I wanted Poppy to be able to transition because I saw myself in her um, and it was validating. And then when she backs away and when mom's so excited about that, it feels invalidating. You know, I had, uh, I hung out with um, a friend the other day and, and some of what we were talking about was transition and why people transition or don't transition, or, you know, whether or not a person's experience um, as, uh, you know, being trans is valid if they don't uh, transition. And I do think that there's this sort of, um, you know, spirit in the trans community that, like, if you're not taking medicine, or if you're not getting surgery, or if you're not making physical changes or if your spouse hasn't left you that you're not really trans you're not really valid as a trans person and I think that that um I think that that line of reasoning or that line of thought in part exists because of the need uh of of transitioning trans people to feel valid (laughs) and it's really unfortunate and it's really unfair because whether we're talking about Claude in the book or, or whatever trans person there is, I know that a lot of the folks who listen to this show are, are trans people out there who are very early on in transition or who, you know, identify as having a, some kind of trans experience or are experiencing dysphoria but are not able to make changes in their life. Like I know people um, who are not able to physically, you know, medically transition because of uh, other medical conditions. And I want y'all to know you are valid as you are. And it's not fair for the rest of us to put expectations on you so that we can feel, you know, more valid as human beings. It just isn't fair and it doesn't work, right? It's not okay. A um, couple more thoughts about this book. I loved the therapist in the book. I can't remember what the hell his name was, but I loved the therapist in the book. Um, he was, you know, I, I like kind of a little bit of flat as a character, but, you know, you, heroes in a story, they need their mentor, they need their guide, and so he was the guide. Um, I listened to the audio version of the book, and I really liked how the narrator presented the therapist. Um, but I, you know, I loved, like, I want to be that kind of therapist in a lot of ways. I love that spirit of, well, that was that was the correct thing then, and this is the correct thing now. You did the right thing in the past, and now things have changed, and it's beautiful and wonderful, and now there is a new thing to do. Like, I love how deeply spiritual this character is and how they move through the world uh, with that sense of joy and wonder uh, and confidence and curiosity and love. 
it was just, it was really beautiful. And I want, I want to be like that. You know, I want to support families like that. I want to support my clients like that. Um, and you know, I, um, a number of the kinds of things that the therapist uh, said are, you know, in some ways the kinds of things that I've said to uh, clients even just so far or clients' parents, you know. Um, one of the things that I frequently think of when I hear people who either have trans children or who uh, have opinions about people with trans children or have opinions about trans children in general, which unfortunately, because of the politicization of trans people, is increasing. Um, But frequently, one of the things that comes out is sort of this cisgender bias, right? Where it's sort of assumed that a cisgender experience is the normal thing, and it's the thing that you would want, and it's the thing that is superior, and it's the thing that's better, and it's the thing that's everyone should want. And so, you know, people talk about how, well, you know, what if this kid goes through the wrong puberty? What if they end up feeling regret and blah, blah, blah? And it's like, yeah. That's the point of puberty blockers, to prevent them from having to go through the wrong puberty, to prevent them from having to feel the kind of regret that I feel now as an adult who's trans. You know, I've had, I've talked about it on the show, it's been a while, but I've had over 100 hours of electrolysis on my face and it really, really is awful and it's invasive and it's painful and, you know, we could, like, I could have avoided this. You know, had I been born at a time when puberty blockers were something that was known and was available to me, had I been able to come out when I was younger, I could have avoided having to go through this pain, right? I could have avoided having to go through all kinds of different things. Like, you know, we can help prevent kids from having to, you know, experience a double mastectomy if they don't have to go through a full-blown puberty, right? Um, And... It's like the cisgender puberty is, or the endogenous puberty is assumed to be superior or better, and the exogenous or, you know, outside or, you know, hormone, uh, external hormone driven puberty is assumed to be superior. And that's a value judgment that is um, based on cis heterosexist culture. Uh, and it's not based in reality, right? Like, the truth of the matter is that if you're a, a child, you're going to go through puberty. Like, we have to go through puberty. We have to go through that whole stage of, bro- of growth spurts and bone fusing and, um, you know, seeing our uh, sexual um, development happen or sexual maturity, our ability to reproduce, if that's in the cards for us. We, we have to go through that process and the truth is that we will we can choose which one we go through and both of them are equally as permanent so why not make an educated guess right um it's they're not equal and there are risks to both there are risks to both and so anyway i love the therapists i want to be like them um one final thought uh at the end of this book review Um, And again, I highly recommend you to read the book yourself. I really enjoyed it, and I think that it could be a resource to a lot of people out there. 
especially the cisgender heterosexual people you know in your life. It might be really helpful for them because I think it's a great introduction and education to what it feels like to be trans. You know, not unlike Mad Honey, which was another book that I reviewed uh, not too long ago. But uh, the final point uh, has to do with May at the end of the book. Now, I think that the trip to Thailand is like, really implausible and kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, the author tries her best to try to make it plausible that, she, you know, this was a work trip and she was expected to do it and blah, 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 and all this thing. But it just, I, it, 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 it just was not good. Like, it didn't, like the plot line, I feel like it would have been way better to like, you know, just end the book before you got there. But in any case, um, I did enjoy uh, some of, I mean, it was clear that the author had done a lot of research into uh, Thai culture and the existence of trans people in Thailand and uh, Buddhist religion and Buddhist philosophy, and that all came out in those closing chapters. And, um, you know, I loved one of the points that May, this trans character that they meet in Thailand, uh, makes. Um, and that's, uh, she makes the observation that, you know, life is change. Everything is change and, and people frequently get scared and they do not want to change, you know, and that, and that life is really, um, a story of change as we go through it. And it's this process of moving from ignorance to enlightenment, which is a very Buddhist way of seeing things. And and I, I really, really uh, love that. It gives me uh, peace to sort of embrace this principle that, you know, a lot of times we expect life to be the same, or we want it to be the same, or it feels stable to be the same. You know, like me as a person, like I'm really risk averse in a lot of ways. Um, and I don't like change. I like stability and I like calm and I like things to be settled and figured out. And that's part of why I think it took me so long to come out and to transition. It was such a big change for me and for everyone around me. Um, it was terrifying. Uh, but I think going through that change has helped me to embrace, at least to some degree, uh, this principle that May says in the book, that life is change. And it helps me to feel freedom about how things will unfold in the future. I may go through more changes. My family may go through more changes. I may go through professional changes or uh, economic changes. So may my wife. Like, we may go through medical changes. I could lose both of my legs. Like, you know, anything can happen because life is change. And God, if parenting isn't that as well, you know, uh, when you're a parent, kids change from the moment that they step into the world or when they slither into the world or whatever the hell it is they do when they're born. They like, you know, come into the world and they are constantly changing from the very, very um, moment you know, uh, from the very beginning. And, um, you know, 
part of the deal with parenting is that we we navigate that change with our kids, right? We constantly have to live in this balance where we are balancing between protecting our kids and helping to keep them safe and helping to lead them the right way while also letting them take leadership and autonomy for their own lives and expressing them their own selves and taking up space in the world. And it's this give and pull and take and push that's constantly shifting. So there you go. There's some of my thoughts about this brilliant and wonderful book that I've, I've recommended to a lot of different people. It's called This Is How It Always Is by Lori Frankel. Um, and I highly recommend you to uh, check it out. My name is L, and I'm a transgender woman talking on this podcast. Uh, we are well into season two. I have interviews uh, on the calendar set up with folks. Uh, that will be dropping. I have some future episodes coming out. I want to do an episode uh, where I talk a little bit um, about uh, last week's episode, which was the the recording of the sermon that I gave. I want to talk um, and share some things that I didn't share in that sermon, but that I think are specifically relevant to the trans community or the queer community. So I probably will follow up on that. Um, I have an episode upcoming about the voices in my head or the voices in our head. Uh, I'm going to do something on the mental health impacts of hormone replacement therapy. Um, There's another book review about um, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, uh, which is not a book about trans people, but it is a book about a queer person, people. Um, so, uh, you know, at some point I'm going to review that one, which uh, I think was fun and interesting. Um, but thanks so much for listening to the program. Thank you for your subscriptions. Um, thanks for sending your feedback. I get email from you every single week and I try to respond to everyone. There is a little bit of a backlog. So if you've been waiting for a while, I apologize. I will get to you. Uh, I do respond to every single person, Um, but thank you for your uh, reviews and your ratings. As always, it's a treat to know uh, that you're out there and that this material is helpful to you. Uh, Please know that you are not alone, that you are loved, that you are enough exactly as you are. And once again, my name is Elle, and I am a transgender woman talking.